Hey, good morning, Southridge, and thanks for joining us again this morning. Um, I am very glad that you here are here for uh, this final message, which is going to close out our series uh, that we've been going through the last three weeks, which is titled Pivot, Changing How We View God. So before we get started, uh, if you hear some noise in the background, kids screaming and yelling every now and then, that's because we got the summer at the Ridge kids here uh, out having a whole lot of fun in the uh, in the backyard pool. Um, so hopefully it doesn't become too much of a distraction for you. In this series, uh, we've seen that God provides us a pivot point uh, so that we can be successful in, in living like Jesus. Um, we've had an opportunity to change how we view God. Um, in the first week, we answered the question of, can I trust God? We learn that the more time that we spend with him, the more that we see him. In the second week, we answer the question, what does God want from me? Not only does God reveal who he is to us, but he shows us how we can live and how we were meant to live. And then last week, we saw how our relationship with God may actually be more personal to Jesus than it is to us. Today, we'll see that we may need to pivot how we pray. So, we're going to do something a little bit different during the message today. At a certain point during the message, um, we're all going to pray. Um, And what I'd like you to do is grab yourself a place or something that you can take notes with. Go get a pen, pencil, paper if you need it, or if you're going to use your phone, uh, go ahead and pull that out. uh, Because I think you may want to take some notes as as you're going along. Uh, for you to reference back to later on. So for the past three weeks, uh, Jeff has used this example from basketball of a pivot. All right. So a pivot in basketball is when you can plant one of your feet and you're allowed to move as you need to move. Um, but you got to keep one foot on the basketball court at all times. All right. What this does for you is allows you to turn, pass, shoot, and dribble if you haven't already started dribbling. You have the freedom to move even though you're anchored to the floor. The word pivot also means the central or most important person or thing. It depends on them or it. Both meanings are similar in that there's a central or fixed point supporting whatever it's connected to. So as I was listening to Jeff give that example, uh, the other thing that occurred to me of, of a pivot is that it provides a new perspective for us. So, for example, right now, as I'm talking to you and Chris is filming uh, filming behind the camera, I can see pretty well everything that's in front of me like this. All right? But I can't see back here. But if I pivot, I can now see what's here. I have a new perspective of, of what is available to me, what opportunities might be available to me. So last week, we also explained that When something is personal to us, it seems to matter a whole lot more. It's true in everything that we do in life. Personal matters seem to get our attention. But conversely, if it doesn't matter to us, it's not very personal to us. And in some cases, we will actually go out of our way to distance ourselves from those types of things. So when it comes to a relationship with God, we have to personalize it. When our relationship with God isn't personal, faith ultimately fizzles and it fades away, a.k.a. it perishes. 
there's something that we can actually do to strengthen our personal relationship with God. And in my humble opinion, it is about the most important thing that we do to personalize our relationship with God. It's the pivot point that allows us to see what God wants for us and how he wants us to be an example for him. That thing is prayer. For some of us, uh, and, and I'm sure I'm not the only person here, when, when I was a kid growing up, there was a number of routine prayers that were taught to me. Uh, one of them was, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. One that's a little bit cuter for eating, eating the meal is, God, thanks for the meat, let's eat. And then the other one that we would pray quite often was, Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then I would get real cute with that one also. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If someone should die before the sun, let it be my brother John. All right. Really great things for teaching a child that prayer is important or probably certain times during the day or certain things that we should be praying for and thanking God for. But over time, they tend to not have any meaning to us, right? And we tend to start doing little cute things like that with them. Most of us pray when we have the need, right? So around here in the DMV, you got to get on the highway. you got to get to work. I, there are probably a number of us that get in the car every morning and they say, Lord, please don't let traffic be bad for me this morning. I need to get to work. Or, Lord, please make the kids stop screaming. And then this one, this one I've actually done before. You go in, you buy that lottery ticket, and you come out and you say, Lord, please let me win the lottery. There's so many good things that I'd want to do with that money. I don't even need all of it. Just let me have a million dollars of it. Or when we get things that are really serious in our lives, a loved one who becomes really ill. Lord, my mom or dad was just diagnosed with cancer. Please don't let them die. So the majority of us go to that prayer in the time of need or when we just don't know what else to do to solve a problem. It's focused on me. It's focused on my needs. And if we're honest, the, it's phrased with an outcome of what we want usually. For some of us, we're intimidated by prayer, so we don't practice it. How many times have you been in a small group meeting? You are finishing out the session. You've had a great conversation of the study of whatever that you've done. And the leader starts going around the group asking for prayer requests or praises and then asks that question. Who wants to lead us out in prayer? All of a sudden it gets really quiet. The crickets start chirping. It gets a little bit uncomfortable. And finally someone, usually the group leader, gives in and says, okay, I'll lead the group in prayer to pray us out. I used to be that way. I actually used to pray to God when that question was asked of, don't let him ask me to do the prayer. We get nervous thinking we don't have the right words to say, or maybe we don't have the right order to say them in or the right things to say. And then, there, then there's those people who have a tendency to go on praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, believing if they just ask for it enough, eventually God's going to give in and is going to give me what I want. Similarly, there's that person, and I have one of these in my family. They can pray like there's no tomorrow. 
they're eloquent, they're long-winded, and they will pray for everything under the sun. They can be in prayer for hours. That's not me, but there are some people out there, God bless them, they can be in prayer for hours. My wife relayed a story to me when I was deployed. There was a family reunion, and my uncle went to pray before the dinner. And as he's praying along a few minutes into it, my daughter, who was fairly young at the time, tugs at her and looks at her and says, Mommy, when is, when is this going to end? So if you're an observer looking at some of these things that I've just done, these dynamics that I've just laid out, you'd probably be asking, does prayer even work? It kind of looks like a catch-22, right? If you quit praying, you end up disconnected in your relationship with God. But if you keep praying, you sometimes end up discouraged with God. So let's turn to some scripture and let's uh, see what maybe is missing that's causing us some angst with prayer. We're going to look at uh, Matthew 6, 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. So in other words, let's not make prayer a public spectacle because at the end, if that's all you're doing, that might be all that you get. Let's look at Matthew 6.6. 6. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. So Jesus is inviting his audience to consider that there's a personal aspect of prayer. He's inviting us into a relationship where we can address God as the Father. He talks about location. Location being important. Some of you might be saying, well, we could pray anywhere, right? Well, the answer is yes. But there are times where we should be intentional. We should be trying to find the proper place, the proper space away from everybody else is what we're being told. So, so for me, this is how I see it. If someone wants to develop a personal relationship with someone that they know, maybe it's your maybe it's your spouse or your future spouse, maybe it's your boss or an employee that you have, Maybe it's somebody new inside the church. What we tend to do is we tend to find those places, those spaces, and that time where we can have a one-on-one discussion with them, right? Because it's important to us. We know that's how we are going to build a relationship. We know that's how we're going to get to know that individual. So what Jesus is telling us in Matthew 6.6 is that time with God is important, that Space, that place, and having that time is important time, one-on-one, you and God. And then later in Matthew 6, 6, Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. So the term reward in this might be a little misleading. You might think, oh, well, if I pray for something and I ask for something, that's what I'm going to get. That's my reward. What he's really talking about here is that the reward is a relationship that you're building with God so that you can actually see his will for you. And then Matthew 6, 7 through 8. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So I gave you an example earlier of somebody in my family who I know that's like that. 
But Jesus models a prayer that's a solid framework to a more meaningful prayer. At this point, we're going to move into uh, Matthew 6, 9, uh, where Jesus instructs us to pray and gives us the model for how we're supposed to pray. So as a very young kid, I learned this prayer in a United Methodist Church in uh, Fairby Heights, Illinois. And, it, it, and this is how I learned it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Okay. The funny thing is, is just a second ago as I was doing that prayer, we had to cut. Because in the middle of it, I forgot where I was at. And that's because it becomes so routine for me over time that you forget where you're at. It loses meaning, right? So as a kid, when I learned that, the thing that I liked about that prayer was I knew that church was halfway over. Whenever we prayed that prayer, church was halfway through. All right, so I had, had the rest of my Sunday afternoon to look forward to. So this is the point where we're going to start th- taking some breaks. And what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to, we're going to break this, the instructions down from Jesus and we're going to take some time and we're going to pray for, for the rest of the uh, rest of the message. And so I'm going to give you some time back for you to actually do some praying. All right. So the opening. Matthew 6, 9. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So this is the point where we're opening up. Where we're, This is where we are getting a reminder that nothing compares to God. It's Jesus reminding his Jewish audience that God is holy. And there's a reverence here that we're expressing to God, an acknowledgement of that reverence. So now what I'd like you to do is I want you to take some time. We're going to take about 30 seconds. And I want you to take some time, begin your prayer to God with some other words of reverence. Think of some other words related to honor, respect, and glorification and say it in the way that's comfortable for you to say all right now we're going to move to matthew 6 10 may your kingdom come soon may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven at this point in the prayer what we're instructed to do is praying that god gets us back to a life as it was in the garden before he before sin entered the picture a perfect place This can only happen when the Messiah, who is Jesus, comes back to make things right by establishing his perfect kingdom. We're praying for things to work the way that God wants them to work. We want what he wants. So up to this point, okay, there has been nothing about me personally. All right? It's all about God. I am giving you the reverence. I am acknowledging the power, the authority, the honor that you are to be given. And now, we're going to continue the prayer. And what I want you to do is I want you to think about something or some things that you're struggling with and ask God to show you His will. All right, now we're going to move to Matthew 6.11. God, give us today the food we need. So at this point, you might think, well, the attention's finally turned to us. Not really. What this is, is it, is it 
and acknowledgement of our dependence upon Him. God wants us to have trust in Him because that is central to any relationship that we have. Think about it. Think about the relationships that you have. You have to trust the people that you're with and that you want to have relationships with. So you want the same dependence here with God. So now what I want you to do is I want you to continue the prayer. I want you to go back to some of those struggles that you've identified, that you brought to God, and I'd ask you to express to Him that you accept that He's in control of those. Okay, at this point, what we're going to do is we're going to go to Matthew 6.12. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. This is another declaration of dependence on God. If we are praying for things to work the way that God wants them to work for us, forgiveness is a big part of that. Some questions that we can ask ourselves. Am I holding on to something that someone said to me? Do I have any bitterness in my heart towards someone else? So as you move on and continue the next portion of this prayer, I'm going to ask you to acknowledge a specific sin or sins. And then I'm going to ask you to ask for forgiveness for those sins. And then maybe think about something that you've done to somebody else or or something that someone has done to you. And ask God for how you can forgive those trespasses or those sins of someone else towards you to take that bitterness away. And then closing with Matthew 6.13. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This is a confession more than it's a request. We're admitting that we need God's help, that we're prone to temptation, And that plays out differently for each one of us. So Jesus is helping us understand that we need to have a posture of humility. So as you close out your prayer this morning, think about something or someone that has been tempting you. Acknowledge to God that it is a temptation or a weakness and ask Him to provide the strength for you to overcome it. About a year ago, uh, the men's group uh, was reading a book and studying a book by Steve Farrar called uh, Point Man. It, it provides an, oppor- an opportunity to evaluate um, men's roles and responsibilities of, as fathers of our home and as God wants us to be. In one chapter, he, he provides four components to establishing, those, uh, to establishing prayer in our lives uh, that I'd like to, to share with you. The interesting thing is, is that what we've discussed in the message and how we've been instructed to pray and, and what we've read in Matthew is, is really what these four points are. So summarizing them, one, plan a time to pray. Two, plan a pr- place to pray. Three, make a list of what to pray. And then four, begin with Scripture. So we... We didn't talk much about that fourth point, the scripture point uh, today. But, but for me, what I've discovered is, is that as I've prayed, as I've prayed individually, as I've prayed with others, what that has done for me is that has actually driven me to scripture. It has driven me to actually try and discover what it is that God is instructing, what the will is that God has for my life. So if you've taken the time 
to dive into scripture, it's going to become evident fairly quickly for you that that God does know us personally, and he, and he cares about us and how he wants us to live our lives. We've heard in, in some of the translations today um, the word thy. Um, in the King James Version, King James Version, they don't use the word your. Instead, they use thy. This might be a cheesy way to remember what Jesus was saying in his model of prayer, but it's greater than my. Thy is greater than my. That's the heartbeat of Jesus' model of prayer. The kingdom is greater than my kingdom. Thy will is greater than my will. Thy desires are greater than my desires. We're declaring our dependence on God. So prayer is an opportunity uh, to make room for what God wants in, in our lives. And, and perhaps this means removing some of the tradition, some of the routine, some of the repetition, some of the formality, and simply just connecting to God and His character in the way that is most meaningful for you. So before we close out, one thing that I'm going to ask you to do. Over the next week, I want you to pray for yourself last. If it's possible, maybe don't even pray for yourself at all in this upcoming week. If you find that you don't have anything else to declare or pray for, that's probably an indication that we're not praying the way that Jesus modeled. So if we pray the way that Jesus is modeled, something like, you know what, Father? I'm going to live in your direction. I'm going to make room for you. I'll set aside my needs, my wants, my desires, and I'm going to express what you mean to me and how much I need you. Imagine the impact that that may have on your life, your family's life, your church, and your community.